Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I'm going to be reading Judges chapters 15 and 16 from the World English Bible. But after a while, in the time of wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife with a young goat. He said, I will go into my wife's room. But her father wouldn't allow him to go in. Her father said, I most certainly thought that you utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please, take her instead. Samson said to them, This time I will be blameless in the case of the Philistines when I harm them. Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took torches and turned tail to tail and put a torch in the middle between every two tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he let them go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain and also the olive groves. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? They said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. The Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Samson said to them, If you behave like this, surely I will take revenge on you, and after that I will cease. He struck them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and lived in the cave at Etam's Rock. Then the Philistines went up, encamped in Judah, and spread themselves in Lehi. The men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? They said, We have come up to bind Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went down to the cave in Etam's rock and said to Samson, Don't you know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? He said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. They said to him, We have come down to bind you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They spoke to him, saying, No, but we will bind you securely and deliver you into their hands, but surely we will not kill you. They bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. Then Yahweh's spirit came mightily on him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that was burned with fire, and his bands dropped from off his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, put out his hand, took it, and struck a thousand men with it. Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps on heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey I have struck a thousand men. When he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath-Lehi. He was very thirsty and called on Yahweh and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? 
But God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out of it. When he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Therefore its name was called En-Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. He judged Israel twenty years in the days of the Philistines. Samson went to Gaza and saw there a prostitute and went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson is here. They surrounded him and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all night, saying, Wait until morning light, then we will kill him. Samson lay until midnight, then arose at midnight and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, with the two posts, and plucked them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the mountain that is before Hebron. It came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him, and see in which his great strength lies, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and what you might be bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven green cords that were never dried, then I shall become weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green cords which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had an ambush waiting in the inner room. She said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. He broke the cords as a flax thread is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was not known. Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me how you might be bound. He said to her, If they only bind me with new ropes with which no work has been done, then shall I become weak and be as another man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, then said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. The ambush was waiting in the inner room. He broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me with what you might be bound. He said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the fabric on the loom, She fastened it with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. He awakened out of his sleep and plucked away the pin of the beam and the fabric. She said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. When she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, his soul was troubled to death. He told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will go from me and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. She made him sleep on her knees, 
and she called for a man and shaved off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he didn't know that Yahweh had departed from him. The Philistines laid hold on him and put out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of bronze, and he ground at the mill in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaved. The lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god has delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered our enemy and the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us, into our hand. When their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson, that he may entertain us. They called for Samson out of the prison, and he performed before them. They set him between the pillars, and Samson said to the boy who held him by the hand, Allow me to feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean on them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and there were on the roof about three thousand men and women, who saw while Samson performed. Samson called to Yahweh and said, Lord Yahweh, remember me, please, and strengthen me, please, only this once, God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars on which the house rested and leaned on them, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell on the Lord's and on all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than those who he killed in his life. Then his brothers and all the house of his father came down and took him, and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the burial site of Manoah his father. He judged Israel twenty years. That's the end of chapter 16. This story about Samson is just so odd. Everything from the 300 foxes, which apparently could also be translated jackals, which do run in large packs, to how he is manipulated by women. As I was making some notes about things of interest in these two chapters, I also looked at the commentary by David Guzik on the blueletterbible.org and some things that Charles Spurgeon said. Getting back to the foxes or the jackals, whatever they were in that regard, I remember hearing this story as a child and I was impressed with that part. But as an adult, I have a a better understanding of how he destroyed the Philistines' food supply and their wealth. This was not just some harmless act that he did. Did you notice that his wife in Timnah, who was originally threatened with having herself and her family burned if she didn't? help the Philistines figure out the riddle, ended up getting burned after all. It might seem that she was in a no-win situation, but then my mind went back to Rahab, who was in a really bad situation and trusted God and was saved. So I think this wife could have done things differently, both trusting Samson and turning to God. When we get to the part where the men of Judah are binding him up to turn him over to the Philistines, 
I notice that no one seems to know how strong he is yet. And thinking about the fact that he was just apparently married for the first time, he's probably relatively young, probably no older than his early 20s. But Samson himself seems to be very aware of his lifelong vow and how God's Spirit is coming upon him to make him strong. And this is a good time to mention that it's pretty clear that not everybody who took the Nazarite vow got supernatural strength, even though they all were supposed to grow their hair. Throughout the story, Samson seems just a little unhinged. He uses odd, seemingly impromptu weapons. I never hear of him using a sword. So there was the the foxes or the jackals. There's the jawbone of the donkey. There's the gate and the pillars. And he never calls an army to help him. Then there's the point that, similar to the thing with the honey in the carcass of the lion, picking up the fresh jawbone of the donkey is also a violation of the Nazarite vow. But it was not at that point that Yahweh finally no longer sent his spirit. I was reminded of the story of Elijah having done battle with the uh, the priests of Baal and then going and being dejected and depressed. And Samson was similar to that after this great battle and saying, oh, I'm going to die of thirst. And then the water coming from the rock is obviously reminiscent of what Moses did in the wilderness and the metaphors of the rock for Christ. But I think it is important here that Samson does credit God with having given the victory. But this doesn't stop Samson from being immoral and impulsive. He lies, he goes in to see a prostitute, he has rampaging anger, and he has a poor choice in relationships. One quote I read said, The strongest man in the world was weak under the power of an ungodly relationship. Samson had to know what Delilah was going to do especially after the third time. And while the first question that came to mind to me was how could he love her, I think the more important question is how could he trust her? She obviously didn't care for him except to get what she wanted from him. It seems that in turning himself over to her, telling her his heart, he was trusting himself and loving her more than God. One wonders if he thought maybe there wouldn't really be any significant consequences. But similar to Peter denying Christ three times, Samson will come back. But the long hair, having never cut his hair, was the most obvious and entrenched lifelong part of his vow that still symbolized his consecration of his life to God. If you recall, when we talked about the Nazarite vow, that they had to get their head shaved if they had accidentally become defiled and they had to start their period of their vow over again. So having his head shaved this way was a symbol of defilement. One of the strangest things about the story that I think about every time I read it is why in the world the Philistines let his hair grow back. One commentator suggested that this is one reason to think that Samson really didn't look very strong. And this idea is supported by the fact that they just left a boy guarding him when he was brought to their temple when they were having that festival. Probably more importantly is that Samson let his hair grow back, and it seems to have been an outward sign of his contrition and his still having faith in God. But the Philistines' fatal mistake was claiming that their so-called God had given them victory over Samson and his God. This never goes well for people. So Samson was granted the answer to his prayer to become what one person called a suicide bomber. 
Since the text says that he was a judge of Israel for 20 years, then he was probably somewhere around 40 years old. And that was the end of a life of a very tragic hero. I wonder what Samson's life would have been like if he had followed God with his whole heart, say like Joshua and Caleb, or had fled from a bad situation like Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife. But even with all of his flaws, God used Samson as he was, and according to Hebrews 11, Samson's faith is given as an example to us. He is one of four figures who are listed from the book of Judges among the faithful people of the Old Testament who will not receive the promise before those of us who come to believe in the gospel. I think from a post-gospel Christian point of view, we can look at this story and see how we are set apart as God's people, although we obviously do not have to follow the particulars of the Nazarite vow, but we are given the Holy Spirit, and we have here a very physical example of how he can give us supernatural strength to do his work, and we can trust him to do that in our lives. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today but not the end of our journey.